You can grab a seat. Grab a seat. Man, I don't know what it is about this weekend, but it has been an amazing weekend. Maybe it was because Alabama smoked Georgia yesterday. Maybe it was because the Astros are this close. We're this close, people. The Texans are definitely going to compete today. And we're going to watch it in the gym. And we're going to hope and, and, and hope beyond belief that they can, they can win as well. But it's been a great weekend. It's going to be a great day today. Four days from now, October the 8th, 20 years ago, we dedicated this building. We started ministry at this location, and God has been faithful. We've seen amazing things Amen. happen. Amen. And that's what today is all about. We're going to tell some stories. We're going to sing some songs. We're going to be celebrating God's goodness today. We're going to eat some food, too, so that's a great thing. If you weren't planning on any of this, welcome. Welcome to the celebration. Lunch is going to happen. We'd love for you to join us after that. Would you stand this morning as we prepare our hearts for worship? Let's hear the word of the Lord this morning from Psalm 89. And this is what the psalmist wrote. And maybe it's our prayer and our hope today. I will sing of the Lord's unfailing love forever. Young and old will hear of your faithfulness. Your unfailing love will last forever. Your faithfulness is as, as enduring as the heavens. O oh Lord, God of heaven's armies, where is there anyone as mighty as you, O oh Lord? You are entirely faithful. You rule the oceans. You subdue their storm-tossed waves. The heavens are yours. The earth is yours. Everything in the world is yours. You created it all. Powerful is your arm. Strong is your hand. Your right hand is lifted high in glorious strength. Unfailing love and truth will walk before you. Happy are those who hear the joyful call to worship, for they will walk in the light of your presence, O Lord. Let us walk in the light of our Lord. Let's celebrate what God has done for us. Not just this day, but for years and years and years. He is faithful, and he is worthy of our praise today. Let's praise him today. We're privileged this morning to have uh, several staff members that are, are back with us today, worshiping with us. And I've asked uh, Beverly Cook. She was a youth pastor here in the 90s. And uh, to look around this room, uh, yeah. I've told you this before, but I knew when I came became the youth pastor here, I would, I would, my best shot was to become the second best youth pastor that's ever been here. I know, I know. I'll keep telling it. Uh, no. When you look around this room, there are tons of people that are, um, have been impacted uh, because of your ministry, Jesus through you, and we're so glad that you're here, and uh, would you lead us in prayer? Jesus, as I came into worship this morning, I was reminded that in the Old Testament, occasions like this happened all the time, where your people would gather around some stones and they would build up a monument to remember your faithfulness to them. And I was reminded that as they gathered at those stones year after year or season after season, there would be some that had left and there would be new ones that had come. And when I look across the sanctuary, I see some that have left and new ones that have come. And there's no greater testimony to your faithfulness, to your lordship, to your salvation, than that the ministry of this church continues to move on. 
There is no greater testimony that this sanctuary is filled with people that Keith Newman and I have never met. And yet there are some, there are some who have helped build, who have prayed, who have been through difficult seasons and continue to find you at the core, at the center of who they are. As we look forward today to what you have in store for this ministry, for this local church, we pray that you would continue to give your provisions, your faithfulness, and as my dear friend reminded me just a few weeks ago, your divine thread. Weave your life in us and through us. In your precious, beautiful, holy name we pray. Amen. We have a couple other videos from uh, staffers in just a minute. Uh, the, in, in the 1989, I believe it was, uh, Keith Newman and his family uh, joined us as, as our pastors uh, here at Houston First. And uh, yes, indeed, that's a pretty good picture there. Uh, he was the one that was responsible in leading us uh, from kind of as nomads going from building to building, from a racquetball club. I've always had a vision of this racquetball court that you got, because I've heard the stories. Did everyone have to wear the goggles when you were playing uh, the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar goggles in the racquetball court, in the strip uh, mall, and finally the, the vision to come to this location on the Beltway? And we'll, we'll hear about more about that in, in a minute. But a lot of you have some great Keith stories. I've, I've heard you tell them uh, through the years now. It's been great to get to know Keith a little bit better. There's one that I've heard several times, and it's about the, the one that, that Keith was uh, telling or taking a group to NYC in Florida. And uh, they were on a bus, and they were taking, Keith was in charge. Someone said you were the only one on the bus. I don't know if that's true, but formerly Pastor Keith was a police officer. And uh, the bus driver was going, I think, 45, uh, the wrong direction. Florida is that way, I-10. And so Pastor Keith pulled the police officer card. You know, I'm from these parts. I know these roads. And before you know it, uh, the whole entire group was on the side of 45 luggage and all because the bus driver had kicked him out for some reason. I don't, I, you'll have to set me straight on that story. But uh, so the joke became afterwards, what I've heard is, don't let Pastor Keith lead the kids on a trip involving an airplane, because uh, that could get really bad. Uh, so, but it has been amazing to see uh, Pastor Keith's uh, just hand in various families' lives. I hear your name often, and people speak of you fondly, and we're so glad that you are here today. Please come share with us uh, how God, what God's put on your heart today. <laughs> Well, good morning. I, I brought Kleenex because uh, I think in the 11 years I was the pastor, I think I cried three times. And I've cried like 13 times this morning already. <laughs> so I'm really worried about uh, how this is, is, is going to go. Well, thank you for the privilege that you've given Carol and I to uh, be back on this historic day in the 95-year history of Houston First. I, I wish those, uh, those folks that gathered in the Carpenters Union Hall on Main Street in downtown Houston, paying $3.50 a week to rent the facility, I, I wish that they could, could see what's going on here today. 
Jackie and I talked about this a, a little bit earlier, and, and, and there's a lot of people, and, and names and faces can begin to flash through your minds of people that you know are now in heaven. And Jackie and I believe that they're, they're peering over the balcony's edge and, and getting a little glimpse of, of, of what's going on here today. You know, 95 years is a long time. And, uh, and 95 years suggests to me that uh, if you make it 95 years, you're resilient, right? I mean, something has happened during all that time that you haven't quit. You've never stopped. You've, you're, you're a survivor. But I would also suggest to you today that that's not good enough. I mean, resilience is a great thing, but it's not good enough because you can be resilient and on life support, right? I mean, it's not a pleasant thought to think about, but, but you're, you're still alive, but, but you're just on life support. What I love about this place is that you're also robust. I, I sat right where Pastor Matt's sitting last Christmas, I think it was last Christmas, when you had all of the kids that were bringing up these giant pieces of the nativity scene. And, and they were singing Christmas carols, and I cried like a baby. Not because it was Christmas, because I don't really ever cry, but I cried because I, I saw the, the families and the children of children, and I, I looked around and I saw the diversity in the congregation, age-wise and, and ethnically, and, and just all across, and, and I just thought, Houston First has a, has a bright future. In fact, I, I believe, like my friend Pastor Beverly wrote just in the last few hours, that, that the best days are yet to come. A couple weeks ago, I entered one of the newer buildings on uh, the campus, the university campus where I serve. It was 7 o'clock in the morning. I was there for a meeting. I was the first one there. I was in charge of the meeting. It's a building that I don't normally use, and it is one of our newest buildings. And, and so I had never been there when the lights were off, and it was, it was all dark, and, and it was dark outside. And so I, I went in the door, and I began to look for a light switch, and I couldn't find a light switch. And, and I walked a, a couple of steps into the building, and the lights came on scared me <laughs> I thought there was somebody else in the building and and as I wandered through the building every room I went into the lights came on it's like this is magic I'd love to tell you that that this is a a visual illustration of my 11 years as pastor here at Houston first we just kept going and lights just kept coming on the truth is we often stumbled along in the darkness, we stubbed our toes, we ran into walls, we fell down from time to time. Most of that, most of that was because you had a pastor that was a terrible work in progress, <laughs> that, that, that you were helping God help learn some things about how to be a pastor. You guys were patient and kind and, and God blessed us in some amazing ways. There were moments along the way when I felt like I was at, at Astroworld. Anybody ever been to Astroworld? I know it's not here anymore, but yeah, a few Astroworld fans in the place. You remember the Barrel of Fun? You know, Barrel of Fun. Now, maybe my memory is, is going as I get older. I think I cry more now because I'm a grandfather. I wasn't a grandfather when I was here, but you know, when you get, when you get grandparenthood, it, you just, it doesn't take much, and you start crying, right? So, so my memory may be wrong about this, but, but the Barrel of Fun, if you never went in the Barrel of Fun, it was this giant barrel that you went in this door that kind of opened and then it closed, and then you stood up against these carpeted walls. And there were no straps, there were no seat belts, nothing. You just stood up against the wall, and then, then the barrel began to spin. It was open at the top, 
and it would spin faster and faster and faster and faster until the centrifugal force had you pinned up against the wall. And then the bottom of the barrel would drop. And so it's just you, no straps, no seat belts, no nothing, just, just looking down. And, and, and it was really a fun time unless somebody got sick. When I think about my 11 years here, I think it was a barrel of fun times. Uh, and there were some times when we felt like we were spinning in circles and going nowhere, and, and there was really a lot of danger of getting sick. But through it all, God was abundantly faithful, and he provided both the vision and the provision for what we needed. Well, you're going to hear from three pastors today. I can't imagine why anybody would want to hear from three pastors in one day. And, uh, and we don't have much time, so I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you back to elementary school. And my favorite subject in elementary school, it wasn't really a subject, but my favorite time in elementary school was show and tell, right? Okay, so, so show and tell from 1989 through 2000, I brought along um, my uh, little kit here. I'm going to say ahead of time that I look out and I see faces, and I wish I could tell stories about all of you. And... Um, and I got some stories about all of you. So see me at the picnic, and I'll, I'll share some of those stories. But, but I'm not going to tell stories about all of you because Pastor Matt didn't give me that much time. But, uh, so if I leave you out, it's not because I don't love you, and it's not because I, I don't have a story about you. It's just that I don't have time to tell all the stories that, uh, that there are today. So the very, first, uh, the very first thing that I want to pull out of here, if I can find it, is uh, kind of a crazy thing. It's, uh, it's the Sunday Comics. And you might say to yourself, why in the world would, would he have the Sunday comics? Well, um, the Sunday comics are, are things that I can never, ever see without thinking about one particular family. They're not here today because of um, some, um, some uh, parents' illness, um, but I'm talking about Stephen, Bonnie, Lehman. Uh, Stephen, Bonnie, and Kristen would drive to church, the racquetball court, <laughs> And then the strip mall, and then here, every Sunday, they would get up before any of us were getting up. They drove from several zip codes, and I think from several time zones away. Literally, this is true, they could have driven to Galveston to the beach and been there faster than it took them to come to where we were. And, and this was back in the good old days when we had Sunday morning, Sunday school, and church, and Sunday night worship services. And so Stephen Bonnie would come every Sunday, and they would spend the day. I mean the whole day. They'd have lunch, and then they'd come back to the church, and, and they brought their schoolwork and their homework and their housework, and they brought the Sunday paper with them. You know, more than one occasion when I was in the office on a Sunday afternoon, trying to make sure I had a sermon for Sunday night, I'd see Bonnie in her house shoes, and she'd love me telling that part of the story, and and the Sunday paper, reading the, the Sunday paper. When, when I think about them, I, I really don't have words to express the, the sacrificial investment and commitment that the Lehman family demonstrated to all of us that were privileged to call them friends. So I want these Sunday comics to represent all the people who down through the years have given their time and talent in, in worship or in a teaching ministry. Bonnie taught Sunday school, Steve led worship and the choir. If you've ever taught Sunday school or led a life group or sang in a choir or been on stage, would you just stand up for just a second? Don't be shy. Don't be bashful. Yep, everybody. Okay. Can we clap and cheer for them for just a second? 
All right, you can be seated. Hammer. I, I borrowed this from Andy because I didn't think that security at the airport would really appreciate me <laughs> bringing this with me, uh, but he, he loaned me this hammer. Uh, I would love for this hammer to, to represent the behind-the-scene people who offered their gifts in a less-than-public way, but we see and we heard the results of their work. Folks like the, the folks that work in the, the sound booth and do all of the technical stuff, but if it doesn't work, everybody knows that it's not working. But they're here early, and they, they stay late, and they make sure that batteries are charged and videos come up at the right time. And then, then the folks that have done things around here and in other places that I can't begin to describe. I see my friends Lyle and Tammy Popson today, and so cool to see them. We, we would not have been able to move into the place over on 290 if it wouldn't have been for Lyle. Lyle would work his regular job all day, and then he would show up at, at night and would work hanging sheetrock and finishing sheetrock and, and doing incredible things. I think about Larry and Carolyn Kosiski. Again, most of you wouldn't know the name Larry and Carolyn Kosiski. Larry took vacation from Brown and Roots, vacation to build a platform and crosses and podiums so that we could move in on that first Sunday that we were pretty excited about, even though it was a, a strip center. So quiet and unassuming, never one to be on stage, people like Lyle and Larry, uh, they represent, I think, the best of, of the individuals that use their gifts to advance the kingdom in wonderful ways. So if you've ever used the gift of craftsmanship, you have vacuumed, you have built, you've worked in a sound booth, you've done something like that, would you stand up for just a second? Don't be shy. I know this group of people doesn't often want to... dry erase marker and and I, I use this to represent um, all those that ever served on a, a board there was a Saturday that I will never forget over on 290 where we gathered in a room and we had decided that we've wandered in the wilderness long enough we've got to have a place that we can call our own I look around and see some of you shaking your heads you were there that day we uh, we took a whiteboard and uh, we wrote on the whiteboard all the things that that we were telling God we needed in a piece of property we told God we wanted five acres and so I wrote it up on the board five acres five acres it seemed like would would be enough we told God that we were willing to spend five hundred thousand dollars now keep in mind we had seventeen thousand dollars in the bank <laughs> but we told God we would be willing to find five hundred thousand dollars not to build a building but just to 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 buy some property we told God that we we really thought that we would like to be near a neighborhood it'd be great if there were some houses we didn't really care what kind of houses there were but we just thought it'd be good if there was a neighborhood we told god that that we would really like for there to be a school someplace and then this is my favorite we told god that we'd like to be on a good street i'm serious now our expectation is that that we didn't think we could afford to be on west road or gessner but we wanted to be on a street that somebody had heard of before And we prayed. wasn't too long after that that um, God gave us 12.78 acres. 
our budget of $500,000, we only had to pay for all of this $221,000. When we moved in here, there were no houses back here, but we knew the houses were coming. And, and I love the fact that you guys have been involved with schools and, and the schools that are in the area. And, and a good street, I think this is a street that people have heard of. If you've ever been a board member here, would you stand on a building committee, served on church board? Would you guys stand for just a second? Awesome. Let's say thank you to them. Okay, this is a car. It, uh, it says taxi on the side of this. Uh, this, is, this is a way to say thanks to everyone that's ever invited a friend, a family member, a neighbor, a complete stranger to church. I, I chose this toy car because... I can't help but think about the thousands of miles and hours invested by Diane Graves. And here's where I may start crying. <coughs> Bringing kids to church. Some of those children now have children of their own. And uh, not long ago, Carolyn and I were downsizing. We moved from 3,700 square feet to 1,200 square feet. I don't advise that. I no longer have a walk-in closet. I know that's a first world problem, but. <laughs> but we decided it was time to get rid of some of our stuff, and so we went through files, and we went through files of, of Andy and, and Laney, and we found project and project and project of caravan stuff that, that the kids did when they were here. And I began to think about people like Loy and, and so many others that, that invested. And, and so if you've ever worked in caravan, if you've ever worked in children's church, if you've ever changed a diaper, if you've ever put somebody in your car and brought them to church, would you stand? Thank you. Okay, so now the backpack. I want the backpack to not rip off my microphone. I want the backpack to represent all of the pastoral staff that have ever been here. Long before I got here, Houston First had a reputation of having great staff, great pastors, and, and, and the Lord blessed us, and, and wow, what a powerful picture to see Bev's students praying over her today. And, and I've watched them go on and, and do other great things, and I've stayed in touch with, with a number of them, and I know that God's using them in some powerful ways, and you were a part of help helping prepare them for, for the future. So the backpack, in my mind, represents rough terrain ahead, <laughs> a program that was started by Beverly when she was here and, and has impacted so many, not just students, but, but I think mentors as well. Thank you, Bev, and all the rest. Okay, next is, um, is a jar. I'm almost done, I promise. Mustard seed. Mustard seeds. Um, I keep this jar on the window sill of my office, just to the left of my computer. I see it almost every day. It was given to me by a lady from this congregation, Jean Dodd. Some of you will remember Jean. The date inside the jar and the words are significant. It says, Mustard Seed 1929. That was the year that the Great Depression began. Remember what the Bible says about mustard seeds? Matthew 17, 20, I tell you the truth. If you have the faith as small as a mustard seed, 
nothing, nothing will be impossible for you. So here's the lesson. If I was going to give you one lesson that I learned during my tenure as your pastor here at Houston First. God never tells us everything all at once. Man, did I want that. When you don't know what to do, have faith and do the next right thing. When you don't know what to do, have faith and do the next right thing. That will keep you robust and that will keep you resilient. Finally, uh, the last thing that I have buried down here deep is a baton. It's a track baton. It uh, actually was given to me by um, our track coach where I serve. It reminds me that, that, that each of us only occupies our assignment for a season. We're to be good stewards during the time we're given the assignment so that when we move to the next one, we can make a clean pass. So I give thanks today for Dr. Jeffrey Johnson and, and the baton that was passed to him. Keep walking. Do the next right thing. God will continue to light your way. can't help but think that it was only a couple of years ago I was in the room you are dreaming of the impact that Houston First has had over the next 20 years. Jen and I are forever grateful for the decade plus, 11 and a half years that we've had with you. Initially, no doubt, being shaped more by you than any shaping we have may have been a part of in you. There's no doubt our boys still consider Houston first home. I want to take a moment to specifically thank the 30 plus youth staff members who were willing to push a young pastor and help him grow beyond his own visions and to vision beyond himself. We, we grew to a point of passion while we were with you to be biblically responsible Christ followers uh, transforming agents in the city, in the community, in our neighborhood. It was with you that we learned how to partner with Wilbert Elementary and others in the community to do just that. So our experience leads us to beg you. Don't stop pushing your pastors. Pray for them. Encourage them. But don't stop pushing them. Together, pushing each other to greater ways of being will give great hope to the future of Houston First. Hi, friends. Joy Green here. I took children's pastor several years ago. Um, I was very honored to be your children's pastor for about four years and grateful that Pastor Jeffrey took it a risk with me and taking me in as children's pastor, a newbie at that too. Um, we learned and grew a lot that those, through those four years. But also, I remember so much, so many good times and kid stuff was one of my favorite times. It was a lot of work, but I really believe God used it for his glory in growing this local church families of the community. I also remember uh, baptizing Zoe. She was the first child for me to baptize, and that was a really exciting time. And Houston First has always been so 
close and dear to my heart because they always welcome me back when I come to visit. It's as if we never miss a beat. And I so feel as if I'm a part of that family, even though I may be miles and miles away. And so I hope and pray that God will continue to use you and anyone that walks through your doors will learn and know the love of Jesus and will always feel at home at Houston Church, just as I always have. Thanks. Love you all. In 2001, Jeffrey, uh, Pastor Jeffrey Johnson uh, brought his uh, beautiful wife, Julie, and Janae, and Jana, and uh, they joined our family. I think that was, was that from the year, around that time? Yeah, it was the year. Uh, and uh, it was a great experience. He was our pastor for 12 years, Pastor Keith for 11, Pastor Jeffrey for 12. He left us a couple of years ago to take this small position as the district superintendent of the South Texas District in 90 churches. Uh, but we were blessed, uh, and we have amazing stories with Jeffrey as our pastor. One of the stories that jumped to my mind, a couple of them that gets came out was there was a st we heard about this African uh, immigrant. Uh, she had come over uh, in some dire circumstances. I don't know if you remember this a few years ago, and uh, we heard that she was brought over by someone referred to as Prophet, and uh, this gentleman was very controlling, and uh, we had pictures of a large gentleman that was physically. Uh, potentially abusive and verbally abusive, and we were on a mission to rescue this young lady one night. Michelle, Pastor Michelle, Jeffrey, and I, we, we found out where the apartment was. Uh, she was this, this young lady was connected to Trevecca. We get out of the car that night, and we just had one of those looks like, okay, we need to man up, because uh, we don't know what's about to happen, you know, when we go to that apartment, because, you know, pastors, we do have, you know, other skills, not many. Uh, so we're trying to remember back in the day, do we have karate skills or, punch, you know, what are we going to do when that door opens and we knock on that, we're taking the girl for Jesus. Uh, <laughs> so words did not need to be exchanged. We just, you know, we're puffing our chest. We, we knock on the apartment door, we open the door, and literally I'm looking this way and the gentleman that, prophet was about, I'm going to say Muggsy Bogues, five foot two, and so we just looked at each other and like, the, the language was, I can take this guy. Uh, but a lot of great stories with Pastor Jeffrey, and uh, we did rescue that young lady for Jesus. Um, Pastor Jeffrey has been a, a great friend uh, to many of us, and he has been a, uh, an, an amazing mentor to me. And I think about the way that he has shaped uh, my ministry and my life and my heart, and I am forever grateful. And I know that many of you have that uh, same thought in mind today. Pastor Jeffrey, come share with us. Ah, uh, this is so good. I'm glad you left the Kleenex, Keith. Uh, uh, I I have been known to known to cry a little bit. Michelle, did 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 Matt just say you needed to man up that night? Okay, that was a little awkward, I thought, but that's. <laughs> I believe you could. Um, so good to so good to to be here today, and uh, just all the faces and. 
smiles and the, the room full. And uh, Keith Scott is good and amazing, isn't he? And uh, just so, so grateful. My heart's just, uh, just filled up today uh, with that. I thought about uh, three pastors being here today. And I was trying to think if there was a scripture that went along with three pastors. And, and I was kind of struggling in all my vast biblical knowledge to, to, uh, to see what that might be. And, and the, the, the verse kind of popped into my mind. It's out of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, um, at, at verse 5. It says, We are only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. I planted the seed in your hearts. That's apostle, the Apostle Paul writing. And Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. And I thought about that kind of succession right there, and I wondered if, would that be too much of a stretch? There's three significant figures mentioned there in the life of, of that church. And, and first, there's the Apostle Paul. He said, you know, I planted the church. I, and, and even though Pastor Keith correctly referred officially, the history of Houston First Church is about 95 years Today we're celebrating 20 years at this location, and when you look back at the history and what all transpired, and the, the journey that went from downtown through many places, and how Keith came in at just the right time, and God used him and gave him vision and blessed him that, that led a remnant of people through some temporary locations to come to this spot miraculously as he told about the land and all of that, and, and then God raised up this church and had unbelievable growth and 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 it, and Keith Newman I've always viewed kind of like a founding pastor in in a sense I felt like I was following a, a founding pastor in, in that and so in some ways kind of like the Apostle Paul in that regard because the Apostle Paul was going and planning churches and starting things and and the Apostle Paul was amazing you know he wrote about half the New Testament and uh, have you ever written a book Keith but you could have you could have written a book and, uh, and a great preacher and speaker and the Apostle Paul, the, the Apostle, a, a sent leader and gone to so many places and Keith ministered here and in California and now is a vice president at a very significant university. And, and I thought maybe it was a little bit of a stretch to compare you to the Apostle Paul, but, but maybe not that much. So, so just kind of consider that. And then, then the next character that that Paul referred to was Apollos, who, who watered it, who kind of continued, took the baton, and kind of continued the ministry. And so I wondered if it would be a stretch to compare myself to Apollos. Now, we know he was a Christian and a disciple, uh, but not yet, but, but we, uh, oh, well. <laughs> Leave that picture there, then. He was, go ahead and bring it back up. He was a, he was a, this is not really that Apollos. But it's probably the Apollos that this man was named for. You see, Apollos was a Greek mythological god, the, the son of Zeus. And he was known as the god of music. And I know a lot of music trivia. <laughs> and and I, once, I once played shaker in a band with Mike Carr, with, with Tom Black, with, with Ben Abrams, with Travis Medlin. With, uh, with even people like Ben Kennedy and Terry Brown and uh, even Boyd Swearingen and Lisa Nikienko and Greg and, and, and Kim Highslip. I played in a band, and I even played in a band with Jose Reyes. And, and Jose would tell you that 
that I am the best shaker in all the land. Is that not true, Jose? Como se dice shaker? Baracas. Oh, sí. Yo soy, yo soy el mejor baracas en del todo el mundo. No? Is that good? Is that good? You know, and, and uh, Apollo's daily task, according to Greek mythology, was to harness his four-horse uh, four chariot and move the sun across the sky. And I have read a lot of Western novels, <laughs> and I once rode a horse, and uh, I've been sunburned before. So, <laughs> I don't know, maybe, it was, maybe it's a stretch to compare me to Apollo's. So... So Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered, and God made it grow, which means if you follow that succession, <laughs> then Pastor Matt has got the God roll. <laughs> and that's a stretch. <laughs> just a little. Just. Although, if my memory serves me correctly, he played God or Jesus in about 27 different drama skits <laughs> uh, over the years. Uh, seriously, later in that third chapter of 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul says, For everything belongs to you, whether it's Paul, Apollos, or Peter, or the world, or life, and death, or the present and the future. Everything belongs to you, and you belong to Christ and Christ belongs to God. All the glory belongs to God for this room full of people today, for every ministry, for every great thing and wonderful thing that's happened through the life of the church we know as Houston First Church of the Nazarene. And when I think about my time as pastor here, uh, I kind of borrowed a, borrow, think of borrowing a line from a classic movie, the movie A River Ran Through It, and I think about the, a couple of things that characterize the river that has run through this church in my experience with it. The first of those things is, is a river of wisdom. We're celebrating today not only the 20th anniversary here at this location and many other good things, but, but also the, the fact that Houston First is, is now a, a church that is debt-free financially. And there may come a day when God calls you to take on more, because sometimes he does that in seasons of the church. But, but I know when, when, when we came here in 2001, the indebtedness was around $1.3 million. And I think, if I'm correct, Jim, we were paying out about 20000 a month uh, in, in payments on that indebtedness. 20000 a month is significant. And at times it was heavy and uh, when we were trying to figure out ways to deal with that and as, a, as a, a young pastor trying to wrestle with what that meant and what steps should be taken for the future I was so grateful for the wisdom that ran through people like Jim Hollowell and how God helped us to a, a couple of times to refinance and lighten the load a little bit and, but still being faithful and continue to pay off more and then when we were presented and, and sought out and presented with a big master plan that would have 
eventually led us uh, to building a, a building at that time, about 12 years ago, that would have been about a $3.1 million building on top of the million dollars that we still owed. I was so thankful for wisdom from leaders like Jim and that, that helped me pray through that and think through that and say, you know, now is not the time for us to take that on. And not long after that was when the economy really took a nosedive and we would have been saddled with that overwhelming debt at that time and that just wasn't God's timing for us and his wisdom led us through that. When I think about a river of wisdom, I, I think about my friend John Snyder. I miss him today. Any subject, any subject I thought of or was concerned about, and I just needed some godly, fatherly-like wisdom, I would talk to John about it. And he had, a, he had this way of, of, uh, of telling me things that, that I needed to hear without beating me down. I went away knowing that I gained wisdom, but also gained encouragement and faith. I'm so thankful for that river of wisdom that flowed through John Snyder. When I think about the, thinking about the future and the growth of ministry and the challenges that we faced and things that we considered and this incredible piece of land that this church sits on, this, this well-known street that a, that a couple of people drive by every day. And there were always times, uh, seasons, where we would be approached by people wanting to buy some of the land. And constantly, uh, that, that would come up. And for many years, we never, ever considered that. And then somehow, it just came to be a few years ago that we, we felt led, and now's the right time, and the, the city keeps expanding to the, to the west and to the northwest and out 290 and keeps growing. And then, in, in addition to the 610 loop, there's this 80-mile Houston Beltway that we're on right here, and now the Grand Parkway that's going to be a 150-mile circle around greater Houston. And in God's providence, we considered the possibility of accepting an offer to, to sell about four and a half acres of the land that we had not developed. And we met and prayed and talked and said, you know, I think God would lead us to purchase land for an investment in the future and we settled on 17 acres and we got 17 because it was wisdom mixed with faith through my friend Kurt Vandervoort when he said let's get absolutely as much as we can out there and believe God for the future and I am believing that somehow not only this land but that land is going to be an investment that God is going to use for redemption and for redeeming purposes that are going to blow our minds in the future. I believe God is truly leading in that way. Wisdom in trial and crisis. One morning, I, I called John Snyder and Jack McGinnis and Diane Graves, and I said, I need you to meet me. And we met at IHOP. And I said, here's what we're facing. And it was a real crisis for our church. Crisis related to leadership. The enemy trying to destroy and hurt. Bring down not only a family, but I believe a church. I said, I need your help. I need your counsel. I need your prayer. 
And their responses were wise. They were filled with God's wisdom. But there was something else flowing out of them. It's beyond wisdom. And it's something, it's a, it's a thing that always comes to my mind when I think about Houston First Church. And that's grace. Wisdom with grace. The grace that flowed through you and over you and around you. And from day one, Julie and Janae and Jana and I have received that and been blessed by it. And it's made a huge difference in our lives. And now when I see Preston here, my future son-in-law, when I know that my granddaughter is down the hall receiving the grace of the Lord from loving and caring people there, when I know that Jana and Zach, who you endured as an intern one summer, <laughs> uh, um, and who's one of the, the most dangerous Christians on the, on the planet, my son-in-law, they're, they're in ministry at, with Life Church in Rio Rancho in New Mexico today. Grace flowing. Grace flowing that, that, uh, that saw our brother Sean redeemed and restored by the grace of God. Grace that uh, met us at the gate of the airport 15 years ago. You know you could do that. You could do that then. You could actually... In the fall of 2000, you could walk right up to the gate where people are coming off the airplane. Some of you have never experienced that, <laughs> but it happened. And the church board here, when we came to interview, sent, um, sent Grace in the form of a bald guy named Boyd. <laughs> we had an immediate connection, <laughs> and that connection has remained, and Boyd and Myra would, would walk through the peaks and valleys of raising teenagers with us, still be great friends. Grace that uh, ran around the bases, ran around the softball bases, but it didn't end on the softball field. It was grace that ran around the bases and led to the waters of baptism with my friends Drew and Joseph and Greg and Jim and many others. And grace that went from battling the Baptist on the softball field with my friend Johnny to, uh, to fighting against the powers of addiction and see much more important battles fought and won through Celebrate Recovery. How many years has it been now, Johnny? Six years of Celebrate Recovery here. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Grace that's gone before us and traveled with us to places like Guatemala, and the Dominican Republic, and Mexico, and the Bahamas, and Alaska, and down in Montrose, and up to Wilburn Elementary, and to the Lavender House, and to building a Habitat uh, for Humanity home from the ground up. Grace has flowed in and around and through HFC. And it ran through every staff member that I was blessed to minister with and serve with all of whom I learned something from, all of whom God has used and continues to use to this day. It's the grace that still runs through this body of believers and sees God do new things every day. One of the most encouraging things 
to me today, Pastor Matt, as I stand up here, is that I look out and see a bunch of people I don't know. That's awesome. That is so good. So good to see people here with new faces. New stories of God at work. I hear of new dreams, and I have no doubt that God will give the wisdom and grace to accomplish his purposes because Houston First Church belongs to him. I want to close with, with uh, this scripture from Ephesians chapter 1. Begin at verse 6. It says this. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. And he has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. May it always be so. God bless you. We love you. Should have known that uh, Paul and Apollos would plant and water longer than they were supposed to. Uh, we're going to edit on the fly, folks. Uh, and uh, it's been a good day. And uh, can't wait for this afternoon. I've been binge watching a show, uh, trying to avoid real life politics. So I've been binge watching The West Wing on Netflix. Uh, I don't know if you remember that show. It was back early 2000s, and they had this episode about uh, a JFK speech. It was the, the we're going to the moon speech. Uh, do you remember that speech at all? Uh, it was back in 1962, September 12th. JFK Jr. is in front of a packed stadium at Rice Stadium. Did you know it was at Rice football field that he made this speech? And uh, just a year earlier, he, had, he went before Congress and he said that uh, before the end of this decade, we're going to go to the moon. And he put it out there and said, we're going to do it. The technology wasn't there. The manpower wasn't there. We didn't know how we were going to do it. He said, we're going to the moon. And this was a little bit of his speech that day at Rice Stadium. He said, we, we meet at a college noted for knowledge, in a city noted for progress, in a state noted for strength, and we stand in need of all three. For we meet in an hour of change and challenge, in a decade of hope and fear, in an age of both knowledge and ignorance. The greater our knowledge increases, the greater our ignorance unfolds. And he begins to talk about how technology at that point had been growing rapidly and all these things were being, inventions were coming out and literally, this is the 60s, so 50 years later, what, we, what have we seen with technology is just, has just blown up. And he, he keeps on talking and, and he gives this vision. So it's not surprising that some would have us stay where we're at just a little longer to rest to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. The, this country was conquered by those who move forward and so will space. But why, some say, you remember this part, the moon. We choose this as our goal and that may well, we may well ask why climb the highest mountain? Why 35 year ago, years ago fly the Atlantic? Why does Rice play Texas? <laughs> I think we found the answer this year. Uh, and he said this, we choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and to do the other things, not because they're easy, but because they are hard. 
because that, that goal will serve to organize and to measure the best of our energies and our skills because that challenge is the one that we are willing to accept, one we are unwilling to postpone, and one which we intend to win and the others too. And what happened seven years later, 1969, Neil Armstrong stepped out on the moon. He did it. Hebrews chapter 11, the writer is talking uh, to uh, people that are scattered, Christians around the, the region. And, and he can tell the people are looking around and, and seeing the problems of the day. And their faith is beginning to wane a little bit. And so he begins to paint a picture with words. And he says this, listen, folks, faith is this. It's the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in the days of old earned a good reputation. And you remember chapter, Hebrews chapter 11. He goes on to talk about the greats of old. He paints a picture of what faith really looks like. You remember Abraham. You remember Moses. You remember these people that they knew. And he begins to storytell and about what faith in action really looks like. And that's really what the story of God is all about. He calls people out. He gives them a vision. He says, go, leave your land. Go to this place that you've never been to before, and I will provide a way. I'm going to take care of you along the way, and I'm going to make something amazing happen through your journey. He gives people vision, and faith is following that vision even though you don't see the whole picture. And that's what God has been doing from the beginning. He does that, and he shows us that in Hebrews 11, and then Jesus begins to paint pictures for us in the gospel. He begins to, to preach and tell of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is like, you've heard it said this, but let me tell you. Let me paint another picture of what grace looks like. Let me give you another picture of what this kingdom is all about. And he starts to, to paint these pictures. And then he tells his disciples, he said, listen, you guys that I picked, you ragtag bunch of, of people that have all kinds of stories, people that are rejects and, and all kinds of this and that, you are the ones. I want you to go and tell the world. Go and tell the world. And the Spirit's going to be with you. He's going to give you power to go to your city, to your community, and make an impact, make a difference. What an amazing chapter. What an amazing story that we have. Vision and faith working hand in hand. I got a hold of this video. I'm sure you remember this video. It was made about 1994. And uh, who I call the uh, James Earl Jones of, of Nazarendom, uh, John Snyder, is the narrator of this, vo uh, this video. And, and the title of this video is God's Challenge, Our Choice. And it's a vision-casting video of what this place is going to be. This vision of land, this field that was just in the middle of nowhere at the time. What could possibly happen. And it wasn't just about a building. It was about much more than that. The challenge was this from God, to be a church of ever-expanding influence for Jesus Christ in greater Houston. That was the challenge. Are you going to accept that challenge and be a part of what we're doing? That was what was cast in that video. And it's a funny video. It actually, we have it in the kids area. You can watch it. And it talks about, this is 1994. And so, the eighth wonder of the world, the Astrodome, and Houston and its growing population. And there's a lot of good haircuts and stonewashed jeans and things. And your favorite song, which is a great song, People Need the Lord, is in the background of it, which is a great song. People Need the Lord is fantastic. But The Great Adventure, remember Stephen Curtis Chapman? 
that's in the video as well. It's, it's a fantastic video, and it's inspiring. It draws us in to want to be a part of this vision. And guess what? The vision became a reality. The vision became a reality because people put their faith into action. They took God's challenge and said, yes, we will. And that's what we've seen. We've heard it today so eloquently put uh, through stories. We've seen people take the challenge that God gave us and to begin painting pictures, not just of a building, but of what the kingdom of God looks like through the lives of people. You see, we need images. Some of us are not so good at just seeing it in our minds. We need to see flesh and, and, and bones. We need to be inspired. And that's what, when he's talking about by faith, this and that, and we've heard it today. By faith, we've seen great things happen in our kids' department. People, just countless people investing in children, showing them a picture of what God's kingdom looks like through programs, through Mother's Day Out and caravans and through VBS and all kinds of things. We've seen youth staff, names, uh, people that have, have invested in the lives of students. I love the movie uh, Back to the Future. And in that movie, Marty McFly, what does he do? He goes back into the past to change the future, right? And what the great thing about being a youth worker is, is in the middle of the present, they, they, they look past the past and are trying to change what is happening in the future, in the lives of a student. I sat back right here in the back with uh, David uh, Cook a couple of weeks ago, and he was looking around at some of you guys that are here today, and he was just watching the, the room and said, he just would start naming people. You wouldn't believe this person. You wouldn't believe what they were like when they were in youth group. You would, I can't believe they're like this today. God has done amazing things through people like the Cooks, the Vandervoorts, the Penners, the Wachowskis, the, the Meeks. I could go on and on and on. By faith, God has done great things there. By faith, people like Boyd and Myra, uh, Invite people to church. I don't know who invited you to church, but one day they invited this couple that had never gone to church together, never talked about God together, and they came to a picnic, a Mother's Day picnic, sort of like we're having today, and George and Michelle Anderson came to church together for the first time. And God did a great wonder and an act in their life, and both of them became Christians shortly thereafter. Michelle is the pastor at our church today. By faith, by faith, who has affected your life? Who has given you a picture of what the kingdom is like? We hear name after name. I hear a person, uh, a young man who was living in Brazil felt a call. He felt a call to plant a church in America. He, uh, speaking Portuguese, he, he arrived around 19, I think 98, in Geraldo, uh, showed up in Miami and then eventually made his way to Houston. And a Portuguese ministry was born here at Houston first. But that Portuguese ministry soon became a Spanish ministry, thus explaining why, if you've ever heard Pastor Geraldo pray, he prays in Spanish, in Portuguese, in English, and without a doubt with the Spirit of God in him. And Pastor Geraldo has been used by faith in amazing ways. I love the story of when they asked him, well, where do we want to, the Spanish ministry, where is it going to start? Should we, we get a small room? 
Should we meet in just a little room? There's not that few, many people meeting right now. He's like, no, no, no. I have a vision of a big church, of a big ministry. And from day one, they met in the sanctuary together by faith. It's a great thing. Bruce Springsteen, uh, he was thrilled when Paul McCartney asked him to join the band at 2000, the 2012 Grammy Awards for a performance of Abbey Road, uh, clo- the closing medley. And he said this, uh, I've been waiting since 1964 for you to ask, uh, the boss said to McCartney. And in this documentary, he's talking and he says, there's, there's basic realization that you simply would not be here. The way you are here without this specific person. Try to repeat that. There's this basic realization that you simply would not be here the way you are here without this specific person. Who has been that person for you that has painted a picture? I hear stories. I hear you talk about people like Diane, like Winnie Westmoreland, like John and Jackie Snyder, like the McGinnises like the Copleys, like Suzanne Jones, like Dwayne Milner, like the Platters, like the Andersons, and the list can go on. They have given us a picture of what Jesus looks like in the flesh. And God is good, and we celebrate that today. Hebrews chapter 12, I'll close with this. It says this in verse 1 and 2. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set out before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Let me tell you, folks, just like JFK JFK said that day, you know, it'd be really easy for us to rest. It'd be really easy for us to hold on, to look around and say, man, this world's a bad place. Let's just kind of hold on till we get to heaven. But that's not God's challenge for us, is it? That's not the hope that God has put in our heart and the desire for us to want to see other people come to know him, to get the vision, to get the picture of the kingdom, and to to be a light in our world, in our community, and in this city. Because God is not done with Houston first yet. And so we are grateful today, and we are thankful for these things, and we're thankful for your story, and we're thankful that you are a part of, of this, this day. So it's kind of a combo event today. Um, we are celebrating 20 years of ministry here, but we are also celebrating that uh, Pastor Jeffrey, as he alluded to, that we are now debt-free. There's a little, this little thing that says uh, paid in full right here uh, for us. And so as a uh, as we celebrate today how God has been a provisional in the life of our church, uh, he has provided a story after story, he's provided testimony after testimony, and we are thankful that uh, God has been grateful in providing for this as well. So what I've, I've done is I've asked four of the, the original, three of the original board members that were a part of the transition uh, from 1994 that they saw a vision and they believed that God did not want us to rest, it didn't want us to stay where we were, where it was comfortable, but to go to this place where we didn't know and to take a risk, to step out. And so I've asked Diane Graves and uh, John, uh, Jack McGinnis, and also um, Kent Lamb to come up. Kent's been our treasurer for years and years. John and, uh, or Jack and, and Mary have been a huge part of our church and Diane as well. And uh, there's one other uh, person that, that couldn't be here today, and 
Uh, we've mentioned him several times, but I don't, I don't know if we would be here in this moment if it weren't for John Snyder. And uh, right before uh, he went home to be with the Lord, I uh, got a chance to tell him that we were going to have this moment, that we um, were going to get to do this. And uh, I got to whisper that in his ear just a, a few a few days before he, he passed away, and he brought the biggest smile to his face. And so I've asked Jackie Snyder uh, to come as well. And so this is a great celebration moment for us. Uh, I've never, has, has anyone ever done this before? Uh, is anyone worried uh, that something could go on here? Well, this is what's going to happen. These four uh, have a, a, a light in their hands. We've got a band. We want to celebrate this. This is a cheering moment, okay? The band is getting ready. I'm going to hold this out, okay? You know what? Let's pause. And you guys think about this. I'm going to ask Pastor Keith to come up. And, uh, hey, I'm the guy that gets to come on the last, the last lap and to celebrate this moment. I recognize <laughs> it surely wasn't about me. And... Uh, We've had amazing leaders. This circle represents that. We've had amazing pastors that have done the hard work. And uh, I'm asking Pastor Keith today just to thank God for all of us today for this moment that we get to celebrate this together. Well, this is us. This is us. Uh, all good. There we go. This is awesome. It's a day I thought would never come. Pastor Jeffrey said, I created, I think, all of the death that exists here. <laughs> That's good. true. Yeah. That's good. I, I told a few people what I was going to do this weekend. They said, are you sure they're not going to burn you? <laughs> so what a great day. Let's bow our heads together. Lord, I just want to be still for a moment. Great is your faithfulness. Your love endures forever. And as Pastor Matt has reminded us today, we have walked this journey a step at a time by faith. And there's so many stories that go into this moment, but on behalf of all of them, we stand before those witnesses here on earth and on heaven and praise your name. We fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, and believe that greater days are ahead. For years, Lord, we felt like we wandered in the wilderness, and I'm reminded of what Joshua said as he went through the camp before they crossed over the Jordan River. He said, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. We're claiming the promise today that the future is brighter than the past and that you're going to continue to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask or dream or imagine. And so we commit this time, this holy place, these holy people, this holy ground to you and pray in the strong name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen.
again. And God is going to do even greater things, isn't he? Let's believe that. Let's sing that and believe that today. Let's hope and dream for a brighter future and think about those who are yet to see the light and how we can be an impact in our community, in our city. What a great day we've had. We want to continue that. We have a picnic. If you weren't planning on staying, that's okay. We've got lots of food. We've got games. We've got uh, the the game on. Uh, Hopefully, we're already winning. Hey, with an event like this, we kind of want to recreate a moment. 20 years ago, there was a picture. You can find it out there. About 100 people in this field before this building was even here. We'd like to take a, a huge group picture. I know you're hungry, but wouldn't it be cool if we could get a good picture of this, right? So here are the instructions I've been given. K uh, through five kids are to be picked up outside on the other side of this, I think, that direction as we go. We'll, you'll find your kids on the way. If you have an infant or a pre-K uh, child, you can pick them up in their class. We're going to beeline this direction. We're going to take a picture. We're going to come back. We're going to eat. We're going to play games and have a great afternoon together. Thanks for being there here. Head out to the field. We'll see you in a sec.